What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Fed with the Hive Index. Hive Index is an aggregation tool that lets anybody find the right online communities to join. Fed is a nomad, a bootstrap founder, and he also runs another software company when he's not busy at Hive Index. In this talk, we cover things that great online communities do well, community-focused businesses, and the rise of the solopreneur. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yo, everyone. Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. Today we have someone who technically has an infinite amount of what we have because he runs, uh, he runs the hive index, uh, which we'll let him get into, but Fed, how about you uh, give a quick intro on yourself, the Hive Index, and uh, maybe one of your other companies, the Gummy Search, but we can get to that later, maybe. Yeah, so- sounds good. First of all, thank you, uh, Clay and Tyler, for having me. Um, it's it's awesome to to be a guest on your podcast. My name is Fed. I've been uh, bootstrapping my own products for about a year um, before. Uh, before going down this path, um, I was the first engineer at a VC-backed startup for about six years. And at the end of uh, 2020, um, I decided that I missed the, uh, the rush of the early stages of building products. Um, left my job, started uh, started making uh, products of my own. Also traveling the world with my with my wife and cats. Um, it's been it's been pretty awesome. Um, I'm currently working on two products. As you mentioned, the Hive Index this is my directory of online communities. I have uh, over 1,200 online communities um, across many different platforms, indexed by feature, really searchable, uh, really discoverable for anyone that's seeking community. Um, and I also have a SaaS product called Gummy Search, which is an audience research toolkit for Reddit, um, where early stage founders use it to uh, analyze the conversations happening in Reddit communities to ideate new business opportunities, to uh, to validate them, and to even find their first customers. So excited to, to chat with you guys about um, both of those products and everything else that's going on. That is very, very dope, dude. You've, you've spun these things up very quickly, and the value prop that you've provided is uh, it's incredible. How about we start with talking about, uh, about Hive? You uniquely maybe one of the only people I know who matches Clay's insights in depth on community building. <laughs> We'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that and uh, what process and inspiration got you to build such a large index? Yeah, um, so it, it, it didn't start out, you know, as, as such, a, such a big site. I think uh, initially it was really just like a list of, um, of online communities when I um, decided to go down the route of building my own products, I got really inspired by the 
just the concept of online communities, especially for the bootstrapper communities. They're so supportive. They're so, um, they're so engaging. Everyone is, is holding each other up and, and building each other up. It, and it, it's really, it's really quite, um, you know, an amazing set of communities that I found and, uh, becoming inspired by this type of community, I want to make sure that it was discoverable to everyone, not just there's, there's tons of wonderful founder communities, but, you know, I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, no matter what it is that you're uh, into professionally, uh, socially, that you have the option to, to discover uh, those communities. And I didn't really see such a, such a resource um, out there. And, and I decided to put it up and actually the first, the first version, I mean, I, I built it in like, in like a week and it was like, you know, a little bit under a hundred communities that was really just a glorified spreadsheet. Um, and I, and I shared it with, uh, with some people and they liked it and that really got me encouraged to keep on adding more and more. Um, and so now, yeah, it's, it's 1200 communities, uh, I think in total, in terms of topics, you know, topics like entrepreneurship, software development, product management, venture capital, I have like 95 of them. Um, and one of the things that I uh, really kind of start, was doing from the very beginning is I wouldn't just, uh, you know, tag the community as a certain platform and, and indicate how many members it has. Um, I also would investigate what are the features of community. And so right now, I think on the site, I have nine features. I'm actually going to add a couple more pretty soon. But these are things like, um, you know, is it a forum? Is it a chat? Do they host live events? Is it paid? Do they have a newsletter? Do they organize, um, you know, pairing between its members? Um, and those are all, you know, it's really important things to consider when joining a community. And so I have that for every single community in my database um, with, with the goal of making, making it such that those that seek community can find a community that fits their needs exactly. Gotcha. That's super, super dope, dude. I'm, uh, I'm curious how you've seen people interact across some of these different community types or topics, right? So uh, there's the difference between free and paid, but I also assume like just based on the category, people are a lot different. I'm also curious to see if from your end, if you're tracking uh, users and how many of these topics or communities they tend to join. Um, yeah. So, you know, to answer, to answer a couple of your questions. Yeah. Um, the, the way that, um, the way these communities like tend to be formed really, really varies by, um, you know, by the topic, by the kind of people that are they're searching them. I think that the one of the biggest um, differences in you know across these communities is just how the members interact. And so, for example, forum versus chat; those are two completely different communication styles used by completely different kinds of of, of groups of people. Um, and based on the kind of community you might want to start, you know, that is a really important decision to make. Um, now, also, for example, free versus paid. Um, you know, the a community can really, it's, it's a really, really wide range um, of things that it can offer its members. And you could have a paid community that has the resources to invest in, you know, hosting events, sometimes conferences, and, you know, recording podcasts like this and providing value to its members in all these different ways. But then a community can also just be like a Discord server that uh, a couple friends got together and, and they're just, you know, chatting about a certain kind of topic. So really, it's a, it's a huge... Um, it's a huge range of communities you can see, and specifically around paid ones, 
um, when, you, when you think about the professional communities, um, you know, entrepreneurs uh, and, and other kinds of professional communities, a lot of the times people seek out those paid communities because they want, um, you know, more engaged members. They want to make sure that, uh, you know, people have uh, stake, they have some skin in the game, um, and they're not just there to self-promote, they're not just there to, like, spam people, um, and they're there to really put effort into the community because that's, um, you know, the benefit everyone gets from from the community. Um, and sorry, I, I knew you had one more question that I, I forgot. Um, well, I think was it? I think that pretty much sums up the, the differences across categories. But the last one was like, how many communities are you seeing the average person join? Like, uh, I know on the VC side of things, a lot of folks would be in hours and then maybe like two or three others. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm sure they have other passions outside of their work. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> do you get any yeah. insights into that? I'm, I'm, that'd be fascinating to know. Uh, yeah, I, I have, um, you know, in terms of actually joining, you know, that, that, that kind of goes beyond the, um, you know, beyond what I have access in insights analytics into. Um, I obviously have insights into, um, the people that come to my site. Um, what are, uh, you know, how many of them actually find a community? How many of them, um, you know, type something in the search bar and actually see something that, that matches what it is they're looking for? Um, right now that's about, 80, 85% of people actually like get results in terms of the people that um, actually go and use my site to go out to a community. Um, I think it's about 70% uh, of the people that visit actually do go find one. And, and on average, it's about two to two and a half communities that each of my um, site visitors that do go find community that they go out and, and join. So a lot of times I think people, and you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what that goes to when it comes to like actually signing up for the community. Um, but uh, when, it, when it comes to actually discovering them, going to that site, going to that, going to that page, um, those numbers that I see. And it, it probably does differ by, by platform. Like for example, there are certain platforms where you have a login to that one platform and you use it to sign up for multiple communities, Facebook groups, subreddits, um, and then there are certain independent platforms where they keep their own brand and you just have your login to that one community, even if it's built on a platform like, you know, Circle or, or Discourse, um, you really just have like a one-on-one -on -one with that, with that community. And so I think that that's the first, the first category, um, you know, the people that join Discourse, they have like 20 Discords in a left sidebar. Um, and so it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely different based off of the, based off of these topics, based off of the, the categories of communities that people are looking for. That totally makes sense. Sure. Going back to the free versus paid thing, have you seen any examples of communities that have been able to spin up paid before there's actually like a community component? Or is it typically like the path that we follow is like get critical mass, offer everything for free, give a really good experience. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that and proof, then you convert to paid. Um, is that kind of the same path that you're seeing other paid communities take? Most. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think especially when it comes to um, communities, this um, almost like social proof 
is really, really important. It's hard to get unless you have an, an existing community. I think that uh, most of the you know successful paid communities that I've seen, they follow a similar path to what um, to what you guys have done. Maybe the one example is if someone already has an existing audience um, and they basically go and take that and turn it into a paid community. One good example is uh, Monica Lentz, um, blogging for devs community. She had this, uh, you know, she's a SaaS founder. She has this amazing uh, newsletter of, uh, you know, SEO for, for developers. And she had, you know, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of email subscribers. And then when she decided to spin up her paid community, um, it was a lot easier for her. I um, mean, she, because she already had that dedicated audience and people already trusted her. And, um, and, and yeah, I don't remember exactly what, the exact numbers of when she launched, but I remember reading her newsletter and when she kind of announced her community and then seeing what she did in terms of paid revenue right from like day one, it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but obviously she, she spent years building up the audience and, and getting that trust from her readers. Yeah. That makes sense. What's been the craziest uh, price point you've seen for community access? <sighs> Yeah. Um, to be honest, I should probably start like recording the prices and, and putting them, um, and putting them in my database. I don't at the moment. I just indicate that it's, that it's paid or not. Um, yeah. So I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, pro- probably in the low couple hundred bucks, um, is like the higher end, end of it. Um, I think that that's per month or per year. Per, per, per month. Yeah. Like the, 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 there are some communities that charge in the low hundred bucks per month. Um, I also, one, um, one way to think about price and it's this kind of like a different kind of community, um, is these cohort based courses that have a community component. And so someone could sell a course, uh, for, you know, 1,000, 2,000 bucks on a certain, on a certain topic. And then they say, okay, great. And for that, for the duration of the course, you also have access to this, to this community. And so, um, that's, you know, that's not like a, a monthly, uh, recurring that's, revenue. It's a one-time fee, but it's, it's a different kind of model that also works for a lot of people. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. That type yeah. of data would be super helpful. I think whenever people are considering transitioning to paid, like mm-hmm. when we went paid, I had literally no idea how to price it. Like I had no benchmarks. Like I was just like, I kind of picked a number out of the air. It's like, this sounds fair enough. Like it's a little over a dollar a day and that's worked well for us, but like it was completely subjective. Um, mm-hmm. So having something like benchmark against, and then you can say like, these are yeah. comps, like this is what other people are charging and kind of back into the math. I think that would be and, cool. And, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think it's a really good idea, you know, especially because, um, you know, I, 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 be, I believe in, in the, in the, uh, you know, concepts of MVPs and even communities, there's like NPCs and viable communities. And, and I think that, you know, when it, when it comes to spinning up a community, um, that's a, that's a serious commitment. <laughs> you know, you can't just, you can't just like do it and like see what happens. It's a, it's a complete full-time job. And I think that, um, it's definitely one that some people underestimate. And so, you know, when it comes to a lot of these community builders, they're, they're educators. They're, they're people that, that like to connect people, that like to bring information to a certain audience. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of communities that get spun up and then eventually they, they fizzle out. And I think that specifically a course based one that is, 
um, you know, that has a cohort that has a start and an end, it provides that value of community without, you know, signing you up for, for life. Um, and also it's, it's, it's also, um, you know, for the sake of the member sometimes, sometimes people don't want another community to join for, for life. They're, they're already part of like 10 of them, but if they have something that they want to learn, they want to surround themselves by others for, for a month while they go ahead and learn that. And then there's like an end date. Um, sometimes that's, that's the best option for, for some kinds of communities. I mean, that was exactly our start, right? Like we gave people free educational resources mm-hmm. that came with the community. You should have just charged them for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, I have like 50 other questions to ask you about this stuff. Um, I guess before we hop to your next company, because you're, you know, like the dose at keys guy in regards to the level of interestingness, um, is there anything that you'd like to say to our community in regards to help, maybe fundraising, et cetera? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's a, it's an interesting, you know, me, me joining, me joining this, this conversation is an interesting one. Uh, because right now, both of the products that I'm working on, uh, I'm bootstrapping. I also do have insight into venture-backed companies, of, of course. But um, you know, I, I, I'm actually, I'm actually curious how many bootstrappers you guys have on this on this podcast, and if that's a, a different kind of conversation that um, you know that you have with with most of your guests. Um, how many subscribers to the podcast? No, no, no not how many subscribers, but but I wonder, you know, when it comes to your guests. Um, I imagine a lot of your guests are either VCs themselves or VC-backed founders. I'm curious how many how many bootstrap founders, yeah. um, you know, come on and and kind of talk about talk about their uh, yeah, way yeah. of running companies. You honestly might be our first, um, which is pretty. And micro micro acquired didn't raise any money, did they? No, they did. Mm. And they just raised again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. We kind of talked about this in email fed, just like the rise mm-hmm. of indie creators and indie mm-hmm. hackers, like used to be a really niche group of people, but that's kind of exploding. Do you have any thoughts on why that is? Um, or just like the direction of yeah. that, the trend, like why that's happening and like what's going to happen in the next five years in terms of just more and more indie hackers being created and popping up? Oh, oh t- totally. Yeah. I, I completely agree that it's, uh, it's a huge trend right now and it's only, it's only going to increase. I think that the, um, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind is the reasons why one is, I mean, honestly, COVID and just, and just the, the fact that people got locked down for a couple of years and that, you know, it was limiting in, in some regards, but also opened up opportunities for, for a lot of people to, to explore other ideas, to, you know, to maybe like spin up a side project, you know, people, some people decided to bake bread in COVID, some people decided to start companies, right? And I think that, um, you know, along with opening up some opportunity to work on new ideas, it's also caused people to think about what they want in their, in their life. And some people decided, hey, I want to, I want to go work on something on the side. Um, so I think that that like that definitely accelerated things. I think that there's technological advancements in the past couple of years that really make it easier than ever to start a to start a side business. You know, you could build. You know, ten years ago when I when I was learning the code, you know, you had to you had to basically 
you know, do a lot of stuff yourself. And now if you want to, if you want to start even a SaaS product, you could build it with no code tools. You could build it. <laughs> you could have, um, you could build a directory like the Hive Index with, like, I, I code, I code all my own stuff for the most part, but you could build my site, um, with no code tools in, in a weekend. Um, obviously you need to gather all the content and that's not, that's not so easy to do, but, uh, but yeah, you could, um, you could use no code tools. If you want to spin up, um, you know, info products, you can release them on Gumroad and you can do all these things. I know, I know people that launch 20 new products a year, you know, and there, and that's, that's a crazy kind of, um, kind of extreme that I don't, that I don't go to. But all I'm saying is, you know, with recent, um, kind of advancements in technologies, uh, it's, it's easier than ever to, to do that. And it's only going to become easier. Even like, hey, even products that, um, you know, could require some like really, really in-depth knowledge, you know, with GPT-3, you can make AI products. Um, and yeah, it's pretty exciting. And then lastly, I would say that the, the community of indie hackers, it, it just, it continues to grow and it inspires other people to join. And like I mentioned in the beginning, it's, it's really, um, it's really supportive. People are, people are holding each other up. There's almost even like no competition amongst indie hackers. I, I'm friends with people on, on Twitter that are building the same, like building the same exact products that I am. And you were, you know, you're still, you're still cool with them. And, um, I think that, uh, there's definitely people that have inspired others. You know, you got Arvid Call who's writing about his books of, you know, bootstrapping companies and selling it. You got Peter Levels who's, launched like 70 products over the past five years is yeah he's crazy he's like <laughs> uh and, and so and so like this the the more people talk about you know their journey the more they inspire others the bigger it becomes the better the community becomes and provides more resources to each other and so it's kind of just like this huge snowball effect uh, and yeah, I mean, personally, like, I, I'm so thankful that I found the, the bootstrapper communities and it's inspired me and, and it's become, um, you know, a, a source of great knowledge and great friendships. You know, people that I've met up, taken online relationships and, you know, taken them offline, met up with people as I've been traveling the world. I've been meeting up with Indian hackers in all these cities that I go to. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty cool movement and I don't see it going anywhere. Yeah. The no code movement is really interesting within there because, like, were examples of people with yeah. no experience that like, we built everything. Now it's a combination of Notion, Super, and Member Space. It's like a SaaS mm -hmm. product that neither of us can code. Didn't write a line of code, borrowing it from somebody else. <laughs> Dude, there's a there's the no code revolution, and then there's the like per function vertical tool, which is like automating content creation, automating newsletter, cleaning up audio, automating your HR, automating your finance. Like it's getting to the point where you know, you no longer have to hire. You just need like three or four, two to $5,000 monthly subscriptions. There were like some yeah. of them are a few hundred bucks and you can really be a solopreneur. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Seriously. And, and you're right that these tools, they lower the barrier they lower your costs. They make it such that you can, um, you know, have more time to execute on your vision. I think that's something that's super, super important um, is that it takes time to build startups, especially, especially if you're, if you're bootstrapping them or doing it with, with little resources, it takes time. And so having these tools that 
essentially buy you time by making such you don't need to hire, making such you don't need to learn certain things. Um, they really increase the your your chances of, of success. Um, hey, really quickly more, on that, what are the what are the communities on Hive that we should look into to find this stuff? Like if there was a solopreneurship hacks guide or community, mm-hmm. we'd be all over it. I guess yeah, the yeah. business is, is up there, but like, I don't know. Yeah, my, so the, the community that originally inspired me was the indie hackers community. And, and I know that there's, there's the indie hackers community and then there's indie hackers, just kind of the general term of like people that have, um, you know, that have adopted that, that name. And I think that, um, you know, the indie hacker forums is, is definitely the first place that I recommend people. In fact, they even have this really, really inspiring page. It's one of my favorite pages on the internet. If you go to indiehackers.com slash start, it basically tells you like how to start going down this path. And it's a really well built, um, page and it's inspired me, so many other people and just kind of like really lays down the, lays down the steps of, of how to, um, how to move forward. I think that, um, that's one community that comes to mind. I think there's really, there's a couple of like really amazing, um, like dedicated paid communities for indie hackers, um, that, that come to mind, you know, indie worldwide is one that I, you know, continuously hear amazing things about. Um, there's the weekend club. Uh, and so those are more of kind of like smaller intimate communities, but ones that really, really, you know, help support each other. And then lastly, I think that there's, there's a really amazing community on Twitter, uh, people that are building in public and, and helping educate one another. And it's, it's a little harder to define a community on Twitter because it's, you know, all these like thousands of different data points that are attached to, to one another. Um, but it, 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 you know, just happens to be that a lot of the indie hackers are also, you know, big on Twitter. And I think one of the biggest reasons is that, you know, these are people that don't specifically just have one business. They could have multiple and they could, you know, be experimenting with MVPs and decide to like validate and, you know, launch something in, in a weekend. And they take that audience from Twitter and that they built up from previous projects and they take it with them to the next one and kind of helps. And, and it's also got this compounding effect of, um, you know, helping them launch new things because, because an existing audience, existing community that wants to see them succeed. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the, and those are all completely different, um, you know, types of, types of communities and they're, they're all important. And I think eventually, you know, someone that, um, you know, it's looking for a community, we'll, we'll choose which style makes sense for them, which, um, you know, which community they resonate with, and it's probably going to be multiple of them. I have one more community question before jumping into gummy search. What's, um, one non-obvious way that community builders have provided value? Like, I mean, like, er, I guess, yeah, I'm trying to ask like how they, added additional features or like what are maybe some unique examples of communities that have added features that maybe just like aren't mainstream yet for other community builders? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's, when it comes to the, the aspects of community, there's a lot of things that the founders do, you know, they will make this resource, um, you know, list, they will, they will find all the perks and, you know, provide them to the, to the members, they will, you know, determine what the discussion channels are, right. But then I think that if for, for a community to really thrive, it's not the relationship from the founders 
to the members. It's the member to member relationships that really, really drive it forward. And so some of my favorite communities are the ones where they, um, they connect the people that need to be connected and, and they, uh, and, and they, you know, kind of do that and then get out of the way because they know that that's like really what matters. And so, for example, like what, what I mentioned, Indie Worldwide Slack group of, of indie, um, indie hackers. And one of their main like features is like once a week, they, they connect, um, they connect to entrepreneurs that, um, that the founders feel like are at the same stage or can really benefit from making that connection. So I think that's, um, that's one of the, uh, things that really comes to mind um, for for value that communities can can provide for members. Yeah, we've tried to solve for that in a couple ways. We have so one channel is literally just called all intros, and like first step we have is people to intro themselves. We have this thought of like we can make just one facilitation and have them meet one person, they're more likely to return mm-hmm. and refer people. So that was the first action step. Like once they're inside the Slack group, do that. And then we'll manually tag people based on keywords they're using. So like we've given them a format. It's like, hey, we invest in this sector stage geography. And then we can easily search those keywords within Slack and tag like this person, this person, this person. It's like, hey, I thought you guys should connect. You have a lot of overlap. That's one way it's like semi-manual, but it takes a minute to do. So it's not yeah. a huge time suck. And then have you heard of intro? Has it, has, has it worked? Has it like yeah. uh, have your community members loved it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've only gotten good feedback on it. Um, and every time we do it, we'll like people respond in the, the thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like, like you know, we've know. also seen that people reintroduce themselves once every quarter or two, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll try to set up zaps for that. Um, and then another tool we just started using, I don't know if you've checked out intros.ai, they are. Uh, they automate these intros. So they have a form. You can make the form as long as you want. You can wait how much the questions are worth. And then it's like pretty simple algorithm um, based on like question, weight of it. And then it has like a matchmaking tool mm-hmm. where like based on how other people answer, they'll connect for you. And then they handle everything else. Like we get out of the way where it's a white labeled service. So it has like confluence on it. Um, you can toggle on or off whether you want double opt-in um, and then you get like analytics afterwards, like intros made, like, are these people willing to do this like more than once a week? Um, we started this like a couple months ago, but we've gotten some good feedback on it. Cool. So yeah. Super cool. Oh, I mean, I've never heard of intro AI, but I, I have, um, I have, a, I have a buddy that runs a similar service called Covalent. Um, and it seems like it, there's really something to it. Just that, that idea of like connecting people and making it, um, be, as smart as the humans that are doing it manually, but automated and in a way where it gets like feedback to, to continue improving. I think there's something, there's something powerful there for sure. Yeah. This is a cool tool. Um, yeah. you want to a little bit more about gummy search? Give us the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so gummy search is my SaaS product. It's an audience research toolkit for Reddit communities. Um, I actually built it initially and it's, it's changed a lot over time over the past, um, like nine months that I've been working on it. Initially, I built it as a social listening tool to promote the Hive Index. Um, so I, uh, I, you know, just put up the site, the Hive Index. I thought it was pretty special. Um, but I didn't want to spend any marketing money on it. My SEO hadn't kicked in yet, um, and I was looking for creative ways to market it. And so the very initial version of 
gummy search was um, I would find all these people on Reddit that were saying, hey, does anyone know any, you know, great uh, communities for entrepreneurs, any Discord servers for software developers? These conversations were happening so frequently and, you know, I just kind of like stumbled upon them on Reddit. Um, and then so I, I basically just built this um, own tool for myself to, to find these conversations, to plug my product and really just like a social listening tool. Um, and after, after a while, I realized, you know, I, there's other people that can, um, that can benefit from this. And I launched it to, um, you know, I launched it to a couple people that were in these communities. Uh, and what happened next was actually kind of surprising. The use case that I had for it wasn't always the way that people used it. People started using gummy search to discover new opportunities for businesses, to discover people to talk to, to validate their solutions. And so while I was using it to promote a product that I already had, I was, this tool was being used to really help really early stage entrepreneurs, um, you know, make, make new businesses. And, and I, I thought that was super powerful. Obviously it's, it's nice to have a business. It's nice to have a business that makes people, you know, make more money, but it's also, I, I, I just thought it was so awesome to, to be a part of the journey of these people that are starting new side projects and having them be validated from the start because there's already demand for these things that people are building. Um, and so in, in that process, I, uh, you know, I've, I've met some really incredible people doing some really amazing things. And I feel like I'm like a little part of, of all of their startups. Um, so now, you know, at, at this, at this point, the product is, I mean, it's still early. It's in the, within the first year of me building it myself, but it's, it's matured pretty well. Um, and I help people find online communities on Reddit that are specific to their target customer. Um, I help them identify the conversations that could be really valuable to their business. So for example, people talking about their pain points, people talking about solutions they're asking for, people talking about spending money. And these kinds of conversations are ones that um, have so much value uh, in them for people that are um, researching new business ideas. And I just try to make it as easy and as quick as possible to, to dive into a community, dive into a whole audience of, you know, 10 different subreddits. Um, if you look at my gummy search instance, I have, you know, I've, I've gone into so many audiences over the past year. I have like 50 of them, you know, SEOs, entrepreneurs, people that, yeah, there's all, all kinds of audiences and you can go show you sometime, but, um, yeah. And then, and then obviously I, I, a big part of what I, what I do with this product is I help educate my users. And so I, I take them through the different stages of community focused entrepreneurship. And that starts from ideation to validation to initial customers. Um, that's where the social listening features that were in the first version of the product come into play. Um, and then growth and helping them, you know, promote content in these communities and, and helping them reach more people. Um, and so part of, part of my job is actually just like being there every single stage of the journey and providing the tools for a founder to be a community minded founder and to leverage the power of online communities to advance their business. That is super cool. Sorry, that, that that must have been the longest the longest pitch ever for, for uh, a product. That was good. <laughs> oh, but it's fire. Um, <laughs> Tyler and I were what you've done is really interesting. It's pretty timely. Tyler and I were talking about this earlier this week. Um, of just like ways that some creators leave money on the table, and the way that like the old way to monetize as a creator, somebody with an audience, which is what you've done is by building Hive Index is just to only be reliant on sponsor dollars. 
you're only pitching somebody else's product. They price that where like you get upside or you don't get upside, you get like a flat fee. What you've done instead is you're going to capture the trust and attention of people and then reroute that to your own SaaS platform where then you're selling to something where you have direct upside it. I think that's a way smarter way to go about it. The people that have done that well have killed it. Like Nathan Barrett convert kit is like the mm-hmm. one that comes to mind that got started with just a blog 10, 12 years ago, built up a lot of trust on the internet, leveraged that trust to build convert kit, which now is valued at like $200 million. Yeah. Um, I think it's super smart, dude. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I will say, you know, you might be giving me a bit too much credit. This wasn't part of like a, a really big master plan to like get the hive index big and then to reroute traffic. You know, I, I do that um, when, when it makes sense. You know, for example, I have all these amazing insights on these Reddit communities, you know, the engagement, the growth. And so I find that will be helpful for the people that are discovering subreddits on the hive index. And so I do, you know, show some of that data there. But it wasn't part of the, the big master plan. Really, I just wanted to I just wanted to make a tool that made my job easier to, to market this product in only like five or ten minutes a day so I can get back to building cool stuff. Um, and it's obviously, you know, like like I mentioned, it's 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 changed so much over the past uh, nine months of like talking to my users and like discovering all these cool use cases for the product. And that's really where, where it's taken them. Um, and so, and so, yeah, there, there is, you know, it, I, I do think that it helps to, especially if you're working on multiple products at the same time, I, I do think it helps to have a certain kind of like umbrella that they're, you know, somewhat contained in because, um, you know, if you're working on multiple things, you're obviously splitting your time, um, which is, which will kind of hurt both, you know, both or multiple products. But if you can keep that in a way that either elevates your brand, you know, a lot of people think of me as like a community guy, you know, so that helps, uh, obviously helps me spread the word about both of these products. If it helps increase your knowledge or increase the value that one product, um, you know, benefits, uh, can help the other products, then that really drives, um, can help drive you forward. And so, um, in the end, uh, you know, I see some people that have 20 different products and all completely different. I'm sure they learn some amazing new things, but it doesn't mean that they're compounding one another. Whereas the Hive Index and Gummy Search, I do feel like their growth helps each other grow as well. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think you're on to something, Fed. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> you want to run through quick fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. We got these five questions meant to be answered in two sentences or less. First one we've got is what's the best work-related purchase you've made over the past couple months? Ooh, uh, work-related purchase. And uh, by the way, you switched up the questions on me, but I, I will answer these anyways. I I bought um, Tailwind UI. I'm actually kind of addicted to buying UI kits, and I, I don't spend a lot of money on um, you know products whatsoever. But buying Tailwind UI and just like having like a beautiful site that you can go ahead and start out with and use for multiple products um, has been a fantastic uh, fantastic purchase, and I don't regret it whatsoever. Not check that out. I'm going to do that right after this call, though. Um, <laughs> you might yeah. recognize if you look at Gummy Search and you look at the Hive Index, you might recognize some similarities. And yeah. that's where, you know, the origin is tailwind. Obviously, it's kind of spread and, you know, I do my design from there on, but it's a great base. Yeah. I will pay you. I will pay you right now $300 for logins to your UI things that you purchased, like a rebate. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, maybe maybe we'll I'll answer this question after we cut off the recording, but I I hear you on that, <laughs> Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one. What's a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice? Yeah. Um, this this is a it's a really good question. You know, I think that this idea that having a job as an entrepreneur is the worst thing in the world. I don't really agree with it. Um, yes, there's so much you can learn, you know, while doing something of your own. But I think that there's also so much that you can learn from being on a being on a team of knowing what it's like to be part of a, a company that's moving in the right direction and not only having to figure things out on your own. Um, I and yeah, and, and I think that uh, it's definitely it's got this like stigma in the entrepreneurial world. If you have a job, then like you're just wasting your time. I think if you stop learning, if you stop if you stop growing, then yeah, absolutely, you should you should quit. But um, I think that there's a lot of positive things that you can have from working specifically at an earlier stage company as an early stage employee, and you can still do your your side hustle. You know, you can still have a side hustle and you can still grow it. And at a certain point you make that, you make that decision that like, Hey, it's time to invest all my time into this. And now I have more knowledge. I have a better network and I have a little bit of savings that can like help me play in the long run. Um, but yeah, I don't think that everyone should basically fresh out of college, go, go do their startup. I did that and it didn't work out very well. And only after kind of, you know, working somewhere for six years and learning so many things that, um, you know, that I feel like I'm in a good spot to, to grow and continue growing. Yeah. Sorry. Way, way more than two sentences. Yeah. Being a part-time creator ain't that bad. I mean, like yeah. lets you build like water the seed and eventually like if you're doing something on the side, like eventually when it's ready to be a standalone business, you take that jump, but going right into it, like yeah. up in the water, untested, that seems, I mean, I've heard the same, same piece of feedback, like, especially at the first fund that I was at, we wouldn't invest in entrepreneurs that weren't full-time on the business. It's like, that seems pretty, mm-hmm. seems like a pretty bad filter. And yeah. really not factoring stuff in at a human level. It's like, what if these people have a mortgage? What if these people have a family? You're telling them to just risk everything for a business, for a seed stage. Page. I don't know. Seem kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. And, 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 I, and I see, and I come across people that, um, you know, they'll have a full-time job that like makes them 200K a year. And then they'll have like a, they'll have a side business that also makes them 200K a year. So it's, yeah. um, it's totally possible to, to do both. Um, and specifically, you know, I, I, I do think that for a lot of people, they do make that choice of like, okay, do I quit my full-time job? Do I go all in? I think that one of the things that a lot of people overlook is there is, there is a middle ground. Um, I, especially, especially for technical founders, um, you know, you can consult on site. That's, that's, that's what I do right now. You know, my, while I'm bootstrapping my products, I, um, part of my week, I consult for early stage startups and it's nice to, it's nice to have some sort of income and also have the time and the energy to focus on your own stuff and you can, you can scale that back as you see fit. So it doesn't always need to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm going and like living off ramen until I'm successful with my own stuff. You know, you can kind of, you can gradually roll into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next one we got in the last year, what new belief behavior habit has most improved your life? Uh, good one. So a little bit ago I did this challenge. It was a, 
21 day no complaining challenge. Um, I got it. I got it from uh, Tim Ferriss podcast that I listened to. It took me. It took me like three or four months. So it wasn't 21 days. You know, you basically, um, you know, you 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 uh, you start over, and it's so much harder than you than you think. But I think that it had some phenomenal. Um, you know, results on my mental state, on my mood, on my relationships. Um, and during the, during, you know, the 21 days that, you know, I did com- complete it. It's not like I didn't have any kind of challenges. I got, I got COVID, had to cancel that, that trip that I told you about. There's like an all expense paid trip to the BVIs. I had to cancel it. I had to like, you know, there's, a, there's, there's things that, um, you know, come up, but I think that if you have that positive, mindset it can be super powerful and you know there's not a silver lining around everything but just being able to look at things and think you know not just about hey this sucks but um what's the lesson here or what am i going to do different next time i think that that can be a really powerful thing yeah totally agree i think at the end of the day we're making money remotely typing on a computer like literally pressing keys getting paid to do it like look at yeah. years ago, the way to make a book was a lot more taxing. So it's all relative, but yeah, I think it, it is insane. Like I have so many friends who are just constantly complaining. It makes it really tough to be around. It's like, dude, just take a step back. Like look at the 30,000 foot view. Like life is pretty good. It is. Yeah. I, I think, I think that was my thing. I mean, that's the reason that I decided to do it. You know, I, I was going through some, um, some challenges and I realized like, Hey, if I'm just like, Plenty to be negative all the time. That's gonna, that's gonna make me not be the kind of person that my friends want to be around, or I, I'm not going to be the kind of, you know, partner for my wife that I want to be. Um, and really, you're, you're right. Like we are, we are so fortunate, and we're we're living in a, you know, pretty amazing time, and we have all of these amazing things going for us. And you know, you, you gotta, you gotta appreciate the moment and appreciate what you have in that moment every yeah. single, every single day. Yeah, totally agree. What's uh, one piece of advice you give to someone starting a company? Um, yeah, don't don't overthink it. Just like just uh, kind of start and go from there. I think a lot of people when they think they think of starting a company, they think about like this idea. They're like, I'm gonna have this idea, and it's a really good one. It's gonna set me up and my family for success. You know, when in reality. That's just like the very, very first step. And then you talk to people, you talk to customers, you serve them, you get to know their problems. Your business is going to change 10 times over. And so um, don't, you know, put up these these kind of like big mental barriers of like, you know, going for it. Just, just start somewhere and start talking to people and move forward. And your life is going to be this um you know, like a series of experiments, you're going to, you're going to get better, but where you end up is going to be completely different from where you started in a lot of cases. And so um, just kind of make, make that initial step, find an audience, find people that you want to basically like serve and hang out with for the next couple of years of your life and just start talking about their problems um, and, and, and go from there. And, and then, you know, who, who knows, who knows where it goes. Um, it could go well, it could not go well, but uh, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, starting is the hardest part. Once you're in motion, <laughs> pretty easy. Not easy, but like easier than starting. Yeah, I, I, I think I think a lot of people also like they they 
Um, and I see this in like forums on communities and a lot of people kind of put up these like big barriers They're like, oh, you know, I have this idea, but then like, you know, I'm thinking about this LLC, I'm thinking about this tax structure, I'm thinking about all these things. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like you don't even have people paying you yet. You don't even know, you haven't even talked to a single customer. Like don't, you know, don't hire a, a, a law firm right now, but you know, just like make that first initial, initial step. <laughs> um, yeah. If you had one ask, for our listeners, what would it be? Um, if, if you know of any uh, fantastic communities besides Confluence VC that you think uh, I should know about, please please let me know. Let's get it up on the Hive Index. Um, and besides that, uh, you know, just enjoy your life, enjoy enjoy the journey, and uh, and have have fun in the moment. You know, I think that one of the things that um, I see with some entrepreneurs is like they're building something now. In order to in order to get to enjoy it at a certain point years down the line um and, and enjoy it now it's it's about the journey couldn't agree more couldn't <laughs> agree more um well cool man i feel like we just threw a ton of questions at you but i think that wraps it up. was fun yeah 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 that, that was great i appreciate it <laughs> And I, 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 I love I love what you guys have, and you know I love what you guys do for your community. Keep it up; it really is a fantastic thing. Huge thanks again to Fed for coming on this week. We hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with Fed, we've linked his Twitter in the description below. From there, you'll be able to find links to both. Hive Index, as well as the other company that said he's working on simultaneously. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted your info to become a member yet, you can do that through our website at www.confluence.bc. And also, if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter, we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles. You can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com. Hope that helps. Hope to hear from you all soon.